Hey folks, and welcome to this week's podcast. Delbert McClinton returns to the podcast. Now, last time he was on a few years ago, uh, a biography had just come out on him, and I really wanted to talk about some of his older stuff, and it's, it's a sort of interesting interview. His memory is not that sharp on some of that older stuff, uh, but it's an interesting interview. This one... Uh, we talk a lot about his brand new record, which I really think is fantastic. It's called Outdated Emotion. And we talk about what it took for him to get there and how, uh, at least in my head, this is a, he's 81 years old. This record is a terrific sort of uh, distillation of everything he's absorbed uh, until now. It's really a well-done piece, and it really blends together. One of the, the interesting things is uh, there's, you know, African-American music, black music, soul music, R&B music, and some country influences on this record, and uh, growing up in Texas like he did and having all those different influences. That's not what everybody has, and so I think that's part of the story here or part of why uh, this record is so unusual or, or it works so good. Uh, it is really an unusual record, and it really shouldn't be, because it's just some guys playing some great songs, uh, some folks. But these days, that is kind of unusual. Uh, he's a interesting guy, and uh, I warn you, there is a lot of cursing in this interview. So if you are not interested in cursing, the version that aired on the radio, you can find it over at wfmu.org slash Michael. That version has no cursing in it. So if you... Uh, if cursing freaks you out, go listen to that version. I like cursing. Uh, the more, the better. So here it is, me and the great Delbert McClinton. His new album is called Outdated Emotion. came out just this week. And I uh, hope you enjoy this. Hope you are well. Talk to you soon. Don't even know my name. All right, there is Ain't That Loving You from Outdated Emotion. Came out yesterday, as I've been saying, and I believe I've got Delbert McClinton on the phone. Good morning, Delbert. How are you? I believe you're right, and I'm fine. Thank you. So let me tell you the story. I, I got an email you know, a few weeks ago from publicity company, New Delbert Record, and they just released one song, Ain't That Loving You Baby. And before I listened to it, I thought to myself, does the world really need another version of a song like this. Like, you know, this is just old news. Nobody needs this. And then I listened to it and really my mind was completely blown. And I just listened to it about a million times in a row. And then I kind of started to think about you and your career and where you're at in your career. And I thought, well, maybe the reason this is so good is because Delbert brings whatever it is, 65 years in show business all to this new record. Do you, do you think I'm right? Well, I, I don't think that's uh, uh, I, I, uh, I don't think that's wrong. My love for this music on this record is beyond definition. This record is a few of the songs that put me on the map, that made me who I am musically. These are some of my favorite people, and uh, it's it's to me it's timeless. It's just timeless, and uh, and uh, I remember how I felt. When these songs were on the radio, believe it or not, Jimmy Reed used to be played on on popular radio. Me and my band knew every song Jimmy Reed did because we loved it. Uh, Jimmy Reed, uh, all the people after Jimmy Reed that try to play Jimmy Reed seldom get there. 
Most people play Jimmy Reed songs stiff and too fast. Uh, this is all my interpretation. So uh, uh, to me, Jimmy Reed songs, I, I don't dance, but it makes me try. <laughs> It's interesting because the influences on this record, and I should point out that there's some original tunes on here that are some of that stand up right with the originals. But there's everybody from you know Jimmy Reed to Hank Williams to Little Richard. So the the idea of covering black music and white music is interesting. And I'm curious how in your household or wherever when you were a kid, how did you get exposure to such a wide range of stuff? Well. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, Hank Williams was the king, and uh, I thought he was the king. I, I remember when he died, my brother just older than me, I thought he never would stop crying. I didn't cry, but I loved Hank Williams as much as anybody. But the fact that my brother did is a memory that uh, is hammered hard into my memory because I remember how much he cried, how hard he cried. And I didn't cry, but I saw him do it, and uh, I don't know why I didn't join him, because I'm the world's biggest Hank Williams fan. Always have been. Uh, you're, you got a song on here, the two-step two, which is a, kind of like, a to me, it fits right in with those Hank Williams songs. Well, that's why I did them that way, the two-steps two and Money Honey. Yeah. Could have been Hank Williams' song. Well, tell me about how you drifted, because I'm a big fan of the Rondells, who were the, your band when you were, I guess, a teenager, maybe in your early 20s. So you guys backed up all these incredible artists, some of the people we're talking about uh, today. And you also opened up for some amazing uh, bands, like Little Richard and Chuck Berry and the Beach Boys. Uh uh, an amazing band, uh, and I'm so sorry that that band didn't blow up and sort of become huge because I love their records. Tell me about some of the people you opened for, some of the people you backed up, some of those experiences. Well, fortunately, we got to work. A I got to work a lot with Jimmy Reed. Jimmy Reed and Buster Brown were the two people that, and Sonny Boy Williamson. Those are the three guys that uh, that started me playing harmonica. Actually, Jimmy Reed was the first one. Started me playing harmonica. I uh, It hit me like a ton of bricks. I remember the first night I saw Jimmy Reed live. We were playing, me and my band, the Rondells, or the Straight Jackets. I can't remember which one it was at the time. Rondells, probably. Yeah, early 60s. So there was Skyliner Ballroom in Fort Worth, Texas. It was one of those big massive ballrooms built as a, a stage would fit it. You put an orchestra on the stage, 20 piece orchestra. So it was one of those places in, in the, in the thirties, but it wasn't happening in the sixties, but in the thirties and forties, the top rolled back on it. So you're dancing under the stars, mm. you know, how, how much more romantic can it get? Right? Well, so, uh, Monday night, this was during segregation. And Monday night, uh, the, the blacks had the Skyliner. Uh, I, I don't mean to sound like I'm speaking derogatory, but it was segregation. And uh, that was the night that it was belonged to black people. Well, uh, the guy that booked the Skyliner for those nights was a DJ out of Dallas called Jimmy Clemens. And uh, 
he had played a song that me and the Rondos recorded, Wake Up Baby, which is a Sonny Boy Williamson song. And uh, because Jimmy Clemens liked our band and got our band to back up a lot of his black artists, he was kind enough to play it on his radio show on Blues at Sunrise on KNOK. He played Wake Up Baby by the Rondells, white guys. So when they had them come in the, at the uh, at the Skyliner, oftentimes we would back some of them up. They had Bobby Bland and Junior Parker were big, big draws at this place at this time. And uh, I heard harmonica start on a song, and there was a sheer sheer curtain hanging down because this bandstand was massive for an orchestra. So they had a sheer hanging down to where you know it. it a band, a, a three, four-piece band on stage didn't look like they were sitting out in the middle of a field, right? Uh, with the shear hanging down, it cut the sides. Well, Jimmy Reed comes walking out from behind that shear, playing the harmonica. And uh, that put me over the top. That did it for me. And I also remember the first time I ever heard Honest I Do. I was on the way to a rehearsal, same time period, on the way to a band rehearsal, and I was stopped at a red light at Magnolia and something streets in Fort Worth. And Honest I Do came on. And I like to lost my mind. I liked it so much. <laughs> it it just it hit every button that I had. And still does. That's why he's a part of this deal, because he has major influence on what I do. Some of the, like, Ain't That Loving You, there's just, uh, I believe it's just drums, guitar, and harmonica. I mean, some, which is such a great approach to some of these songs. So when you picked up the harmonica, how long, I mean, did it come natural to you, or was it years of figuring it out? Well, I had, I had been fooling around with the harmonica since I was a kid. But play stuff like Dixie and uh, ditties, you know, little ditties that you can play on the harmonica. And that's about all I did until my eyes were opened by the reed. And uh, instead of blowing on it, I started sucking on it. <laughs> and that's the truth of it. I mean, you can play cross harp, you're sucking for most of it. That's interesting. I don't know whether you know that or not or whether or whether it makes any difference. But... Uh, it, it hit me like a ton of bricks, and and not only Jimmy Reed, but KNOK Radio reached Fort Worth, Texas, just thirty miles away. So that was all me and my guys listened to once we discovered it, because it wasn't Patty Page, it was BB King, it was um, Sonny Boy, it was Buster Brown, it was uh, Ray Charles, and once you hear that stuff, you can't go back. <laughs> Uh, was you know, did you also get Mexican radio down in Fort Worth? Oh yeah, absolutely, and, and, and that was so good, man. CRF radio, it was just across the border into Mexico where they had, I don't know, I think it was a fifty thousand watt station, hmm. way more than you can have in the U.S. So at night, border radio reached the whole, across all the U.S. Well, it, it we could hear it quicker because we're on the border. And uh, there used to be shows on there where they would sell package. They would play about five songs and then say, you can buy this thing for this much, you know. And, and, and it might be Bob Wills and B.B. And, and, uh, King and, uh, and some other, some other off-the-wall uh, uh, 
black artist uh, that was really not happening in pop radio. But you could hear it all there, and we did. And uh, all of those late-night stations, WRR and WLAC and and all those stations that, that played this music, uh, you could pick them up late at night. And that's all we listened to. I mean, like I said, once you hear to read and B.B. King, and you can't go back to Patty Page and, and uh, Pat Boone, you know? There's a wonderful photo of you on the cover of this new album, Outdated Emotion, which I imagine is from around this time. Where is that photo from, young, handsome Delbert McClinton? That's my high school graduation photo. I never graduated, but they got a photo of me. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, it was uh, mandatory at school, so we did. But I never graduated high school. I have a credit in English, if you can imagine that, graduating high school. Anyway, that's, you know, I haven't haven't noticed that I needed it. Uh, but you know that's that's just the, the way it was. Uh, let's talk talk about the Rondells for a minute because uh, I love those singles. It's a band that never, as far as I know, never made a whole album. Just wasn't the the era, I guess, for that. No, there wasn't the era, and it was a it was a uh, the guy that put those records out, Major Bill Smith, was was a bit of a nut, <laughs> uh, and. Uh, but uh, he got to. I got to know Major Bill Smith because back then everybody in the world wasn't in a band, you know. Yeah. And so when when he would get the after I met him, I met him on one of the sessions he got together because engineer at the only studio in Fort Worth, which was in the basement of a radio station, he putting out records because he. He fancied himself a bargain basement Tom Parker. He got boosted up to. He burned his hands World War Two. Got got his hands fucked up. He was in a, 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 a airplane, and so when they, when they mustered him out, they kicked him up to a colonel, uh, so he would get more pension. Anyway, he was he was. He was. He always looked like he's about to explode. His face is so red, and he'd talk, and his jaws would wiggle. It's a smash! It's a smash! It's a, you know, everything was a smash. Well, he would call me to get the bands together for his new smash record artist. Bruce Chanel was one of them. You know what happened there? Hey, baby, came out of that, and and uh, so he was very aggressive, but stupid. Uh, he he couldn't get out of a local. Range, but he did have two major hits. Hey, baby, and uh, what was the other one? Uh, Last date, I think, or something. Hmm. Anyway, uh, he was very aggressive at pushing, pushing his stuff out there to a point. And then uh, a lot of times, well, like Hey, baby, got picked up by a major record label, and yada yada yada. So this was Major Bill Smith. So he's he's the guy that. Uh, would call me and get me to, to get people together to come in for his artists. So that's uh, that's how I got in on all of that. Well, let me ask you a question, because we I think we've talked about the, the Beatles thing, but um, after you come back from 
uh, with Bruce from UK touring uh, right around that time. The Ron, you know, the Beatles are so huge, and you are steeped in this blues music, and you've got this kind of country music thing in the back of your mind. But there's a bunch of Rondell singles like "Picture of You" and "If You Really Want Me to, I'll Go" and "I Cry Because I Care" and it's over. Yeah. That to me all sound a little bit like they're Beatles influence, but they've got that Texas thing in them too. And that you know, it's like a very unique little slice of stuff. And those are all I think. Well, those that's, that's that's interesting. That's interesting that you see that because uh, I cry because I care, and and uh, some of those others you mentioned were Beatlesque. They were influenced a bit by by Beatles music. Hmm. Let me ask, as a twenty year old, why did you did you just uh, write? Not everybody writes songs. What made you think? Was it just lightning striking you? I got to write these songs, or you know, what makes a person think? Oh, well, just, it pretty. It, it pretty much was lightning strike. It was uh, well, uh, all my life in in school, I wrote some poetry, and uh, finally those poetry, the poetry turned into songs. And uh, why, I have no idea. Uh, I didn't pick this to do; it picked me, and I really don't have any other uh, answer to why, other than. Uh, it, it, it just had to be. <laughs> just came out. It just fucking came out. Did you ever have a real job in your life, like you know, a whatever, a restaurant or whatever? I did. Oh yeah, I did. I had several jobs um, in in my early days after high school. Wouldn't graduate me. Well, I'd, I'd, I'd get jobs a smart monkey could do, you know, <laughs> because I wasn't educated, uh, uh, and I'd get jobs like. Uh, Delivery trucks for a, a, a automobile paint shop, you know, somebody from a, one of these body shops to call in and want this kind of thing. So I got the order of that, bringing that sample. My boss would mix it up, and uh, then I'd get in the pickup and drive it to the shop and back or to the other places. Like I said, I, I, I could drive around all day and deliver this shit and write songs with, with nobody telling me what to do. So that's the kind of jobs I had. Let's talk for a minute about your biggest hit. I believe it was number eight on the top 100, so an actual top 10 hit. Uh, you've had a lot of songs on the country charts, but a, a top 10 pop hit, Giving It Up For Your Love, 1980 from the album Jealous Kind. I know it's the uh, the Muscle Shoals guys, Barry Beckett and Roger Hawkins, those guys. What was different about that studio? And you made a lot of records you know, before that. Was that just, do you think, the right song, the right time, the right year, the right place? Was there a massive you know, amount of promo spent on you? Was it just good luck? What? Why was that song a hit, and what was going on at that studio? Muscle Shoals. Uh, uh, I was watching that Muscle Shoals show just last night. Something in the water down there that... Uh that brought it all out, you know. Uh, for example, last night I was watching this show, and I remember when uh, when Wilson Pickett, he wanted to go down and record with those black players in Muscle Shoals because they're so funky. And uh, uh, somebody told him, well, they're not black guys, they're white boys. And uh, same thing with, with Aretha Franklin. And all of that stuff that, they are the rhythm section, the band on, came out of that time period. White guys, they look like they've worked at the grocery store. <laughs> Every time I go to muscle shows, about the only time I go to muscle shows anymore is when somebody dies. 
And to get together with all those people, including me, we all look like a bunch of schmucks. <laughs> and then they sat down to play, and it's almost biblical. And you, everybody asked to give you a different reason for why it all bubbled up in Muscle Shoals. But uh, the main reason is we're playing from the heart. They weren't playing arrangements that were written out. They would get their heads together and come up with the arrangement for the song out of their minds, not off a piece of paper. I mean, they're not reading it. They're feeling it. And it starts to sound sappy now when I say this. But it's true, you know. They, they're just... Uh, Dan Penn is the biggest... He wears overalls. And he's as big a, a hokey as you can imagine. And he sits down and writes the dark end of the street. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I still don't know. There's, I don't know about all of this. I don't know. It just is. Did having a big hit change your life? Did you know being, having a top 10 record uh, change your life much? No. No, it didn't. It didn't. It, it, there's a lot of attaboys and yada, yada, yada. But I didn't write the song that was the hit, so I didn't make any of that money. Right. And uh, it made the charts, but it didn't sell real bad. I never made any money in the record business until early 90s. That's incredible. Yeah. But, well, the way I made a living was I worked eight nights a week in beer joints. Lucky for you, you've had a lot of songs that you've written that other folks have done, which is, uh, like you said earlier, you know, if when you write the song, that's they have to pay that that guy. They can kind of cheat the artist, but the songwriter... Well, they do. They, yeah, they have to pay that guy. And they used to... Publishing used to be the biggest deal in the record business. It don't matter shit anymore, unless you own all the publishing, and if it's a big hit. And if it's not a big hit... Nobody wants to sue you over anything. If it is a big hit, there's people lining up say, I wrote that song. I wrote, you know, they stole that song from something. I, it's endless, you know. It's just endless, you know. There's there's always a rub. Yeah, I hear birds in the background. It sounds wherever you are. Is it beautiful? I'm sitting out on the patio in the back of my house, and it couldn't be more beautiful. All right, let's talk about this new record, Outdated Emotion. First of all, like I said, it's just a it's a lovely record. It's just a it's a it's just a start to finish. It's got a little of everything on it, and it's got a real sense of humor. It really sounds like it was fun to make. How quickly were the songs recorded? Is this like one or two takes a song? Were songs worked up over a day? How how did it go? Well, this all happened during COVID. So Kevin McKendry and Yates McKendry, that's father and son. That's where I've been recording. Kevin McKendry has been in my band for the last 20 years. And he's got a studio and he's genius. And so is his son. They're both freaks. They're so fucking good. It stinks. Well, they were at my disposal and his studio all through that first year of COVID. So I had those guys at my disposal. And, uh, for example, uh, one scotch, one bourbon, one beer. Kevin played the piano on it. His son played the upright bass. And then they put the drums on it. And I learned a lot of things. We had a lot of fun. And the whole band, except for the Hank Williams songs, the whole band is Kevin and his son playing bass, 
guitar, organ, piano, drums. They do it all. Yeah, I agree. It is pretty remarkable. I should I'll put in a plug because the studio is called the Rock House in Franklin, Tennessee, and there's yeah. re, there's really some very subtle, incredible playing by those two guys on this uh, on this record. And like you said, it serves the vocals, serves the songs. Nobody's stepping at anybody. The in, the sounds are interesting. It's just it's really unusual. It was just magic. Really was. I'm a big uh, Marty Stewart and his band fan, and I know Chris Scruggs plays on some of the more country tunes on this record. Tell me about working with him, because he seems right. to me like another one of these geniuses. He is a genius, and he is, he is a leader. I had never done it. I'm, I, of course, was aware of who Chris Scruggs was. But until we did this, I'd never made music with him. And we went in that day, the first day, I was exhilarated and scared to death to try to sing Hank Williams songs. But I love Hank Williams songs so much that it, it took me to that point where I'm standing in the room with these guys that know note for note everything Hank Williams ever did. And I went in out there. Of course, everybody had masks on. But I went and got in the booth, you know, so we were all totally separated and everything. And, and Chris says, well, what do you want to do first? And I said, let's do something in the woods on fire. He says, what key? I, think I, I, I said, I think I'll do it the same place Hank did. He kicked it off, and we did it. And in, a, in, in less than three hours, we got six Hank Williams songs. Oh, well, wow. five Hank Williams songs and, and two of my songs. That Hank Williams style. Gotcha. And it just it just it just went off like we knew exactly what we were doing. And I was so tickled by at the end of everyone I said, Well shit, I think that that's the take. <laughs> and uh, after we got done, I was talking to Kevin, he said, Man, you we don't have to mix anything on this. But it's just like Hank did it. No drums, just you know. Well, the result is what's on the record. I left there that day after three hours having that much done. I was just dumbfounded. I really was. I was driving home giggling to myself. That good God, look what we did in a few hours. That's what happens when you know what you're doing. <laughs> well, like I said at the beginning, and like you said about, you know, people just have a hard time covering Jerry Reed songs or whatever. They just do it wrong. The same thing with Hank Williams. Jerry Reed. Yes, Jimmy Reed. Uh, Jerry Reed, too, I guess. But, yeah. But, you know, yeah, there's just the way contemporary country sounds is so not what, you know, I don't know how we got there from Hank Williams. Uh, and so, so not it's, everybody it's can. It's so sad. Yeah. It's sad. It's sad. It's stupid. It's it's. I don't know. I just I think music is, in the last several years has really taken a nosedive, uh, especially since MTV. A lot of talent got pushed aside for people who are, are willing to show their ass and have wardrobe malfunctions. <laughs> it, it all it all turned into pretty little girls shaking their ass and 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 such took the place of, of lyrics, good lyrics and good songs, and turned into, you know, yeah. to me. Yeah. It, uh, it, it kind of just turned into, I don't know, man. Uh, it's, in a, it's in a 
pretty poor place today. Yeah. Well, clearly your love of music has not diminished. It seems like one inch. It almost seems like it's increased like the older you get. So, and you've just made, you know, one of the greatest records of your life. So why retire? What, what, why? Well, I'm only retired from the road. I'm not retired from music. Okay. I've had, I've been on the road all my life. I don't want to walk in another hotel room that's got red carpet. I don't want to be leave here on Thursday night and drive 15 hours to some place and then check into a hotel with red carpet. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I've had all of that I need. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't need that anymore. I love being on the bus and the camaraderie and, and all and, uh, and doing it with a great band, but COVID came along and, and uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you when I decided, when I found out that I'd retired, it was months into COVID, and of course nobody was getting out and doing anything. And uh, the woman that uh, works with me and my wife Molly, she's a an integral part of our whole business. She's a workaholic. Anyway, I was sitting at the table one day having a cup of coffee, and she came in and says, "What are you going to do with this bus?" And I hadn't been put on the spot about the bus until that moment. But uh, if I'm not going to be on the road, there's no sense in me having a bus. And uh, so she says, what are you going to do with this bus? I said, well, sell it, I guess. She said, I think we've got it sold. She looked at me and smiled and said, you're retired. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, to tell you the truth, it, it felt great. It felt really good because uh, I'm, I'm done doing that, you know. But you're still going to write songs, and you and you might make some records. Oh yeah, uh, well hell yeah. I, stopping on the road got nothing to do with stopping being creative and and writing songs. Uh, that's something that uh, where I, I get I get my greatest pleasure from writing and finishing a song that I really like. I, I'm glad the creative spirit. You you understand that that's still going to happen no matter where you oh, are. Oh, that's that's as good as ever, if not better. Oh. Uh, and I, and I can't tell you why, but I'm I'm done being on the road. You know, to try to put that together with this COVID phenomena, and I don't want to be standing on stage with a bunch of people looking back at me, and I'm wondering what the fuck are you doing here? You know, people are dying. I mean, that's what runs through my head, you know. Yeah. And uh, I don't want to die from uh, like that. Good God, I put too much time in to to go out from a bug. <laughs> so you know, it 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 doesn't hold the same charm that it always has. Fair enough. And uh, and, and if you're playing live, people want to grab you and hug you and and shit all the things that you shouldn't be doing in COVID. Yeah, uh, knuckleheads want to grab you and and get way too close, and you can't say, "Hey, man, get the fuck off." So that kind of what kept helped with my decision to retire was that uh, there's really no place for for me doing that right now, and and probably never will be again. Gotcha. Fair enough. You know, I'm at an age where I've I've done everything I want to do, and I've been successful at it. 
I'm looking at the list of songs that you chose to cover here, and I'm wondering, first of all, do you still have a record player, and do you have all the records you've bought over your whole life, and do you still listen to them? And what kind of music? Just you know, what, I never did. No. What, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no. I'm just wondering, what do you listen to when you just, you know, when you drive to the supermarket? What do you put on? Or when you just want to relax, do you I listen <laughs> Billy Holiday. Every day, I've got to have a shot of the 40s music to keep me in line. The 40s music, war music. I was born in 1940. First 10 years of my life, that's all I heard, and I loved every bit of it. The talent of the music during that period is is phenomenal. Real people playing real music together not playing to a click track or a, a, a phony beat or whatever. It was real people, and, and they're, they're magic. You listen to Lester Young and, and, and Teddy Wilson. Nobody is doing that today, and it's, uh, I don't know, it's it's magic to me. It, uh, 40s music, um, it's, just, it's just really important to me. I can't tell you why other than it was fantastic, fantastic music. Uh, that's a surprising answer, but it makes uh, perfect sense. Do you have a favorite on on Outdated Emotion, a favorite song? Well, uh, one of the songs that I wanted to do really, really bad is maybe one that a lot of people will pay the least attention to. I'm a big Ray Charles fan, major Ray Charles fan. I've spent my whole life trying to sound like Hank Williams and Ray Charles. Hmm. And uh, I Want a Little Girl is uh, uh, the, the day we recorded that. It was just me and Kevin and, and Yates, his son. Yates was playing the upright bass. Kevin's playing the piano. And we cut that song in almost nothing flat. I don't think, I don't think we did more than two or three takes of it and got it. And with just that instrumentation, bass, upright bass, and a piano, made me realize don't really need anything else. That way, nobody's stepping on the vocal. And I found it very refreshing in, 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 that, uh, in that respect because uh, it, it, it left me wide open to sing without the clutter of guitars and whatever else. But uh, that's that's the song that uh, that I pick is I never sang like I sang on that song. I don't know. I can't. I, I can't explain it any more than that. Let's hear. I want a little girl. I wish you the best of luck with this record, and I really hope that there is something more coming coming from you that sounds like this and some more songs because you are. Uh, this is really just a char- like I said. It's just a charming record. So congratulations. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Charming. I think that's good. I th- my my definition of it was uh, it's refreshing. <laughs> yes, it is. It's that as well, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I can remember one day I've I've, I've sat and listened to this, looking for a flaw. You know, you know how you do when you're looking for a flaw. Couldn't find one. And uh, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's uh, it's 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 good to be where I am. I got no complaints. Delbert, thank you again. Thank you so much for your time. I, I totally uh, appreciate that honor, uh, privilege to talk to you, and uh, 
you know, good luck. All right, man. Thank you so much. Make me look good, okay? Uh, always. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bud. Bye. Fall in love with me. 